Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 87, Making Your Children Be Nice to Each Other. It's December 28th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. Making your children be nice to each other. Oh boy, I can just imagine what some of you are thinking because I've been talking to people about this for a long time. So I know what some people are thinking. But anyway, this is not something we talk about. Of course, I think it's something we should be talking about. And you could be in a lot of different places about this topic depending on how you were treated by your siblings or how you raised your children, and it's a, it's a painful topic, but there's really a golden opportunity in this topic if we talk about it. So what I'm asking you is to keep an open mind. I'm asking you not to beat yourself up for whatever, and just to really pause and just kind of let this whole idea wash over you, and then you know, be introspective about it in the next couple of days and see, you know, how you feel about it later. So let's get going. So what am I going to cover? So I'm going to talk about why this idea is so significant. I'm going to ask you to bring a sense of urgency to it. I'm going to talk about the fact that this is not a secret. I'm going to set the stage, help you set the stage for uh, a a new opening. I am going to mention a few reasons why parents don't do this. I'm going to address what is going on or what is present when a sibling is mean, cruel, or not nice. I'm going to give a very uh, minute mention of family dynamics. I'm going to give you some examples (laughs) of things that siblings do that are not nice, cruel, and sometimes vicious. And I'm going to address... If you're in the boat where your sibling or siblings are not nice to you, I am going to also address if you're the sibling who is not being nice to your other siblings. I'm going to mention if you're the parent, some thoughts about that, and then I'm going to wrap it up with some final suggestions. So if you are new to my content, I hope uh, you're going to visit my website at www.lisaatlundy.com and enter my current giveaway because I like giveaways. They're very fun. And I've been doing it from the beginning, decided not to stop. And so I have a current giveaway that's giving away gluten-free and allergy-free cookbooks and aprons. All right. Now, the next piece of my podcast is very important. And that is that I am not a therapist. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not in the health field as far as a licensed healthcare provider. And you as a consumer should get your medical advice or your therapy advice from a licensed provider, of which I'm not. So this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. Next, if you are listening to this podcast and you have been feeling or you are feeling hopeless, sad, beyond belief, like thinking about suicide or in any way in that arena of feelings, I'm asking you to take the action of calling the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to talk about it. I'm asking you to tell people, and I'm asking you to get the help that is available. The next topic is, why is this subject so significant? Well, 
having your children be nice to each other is not something that we frequently or commonly discuss in society. And the reason why it's so important and so significant is because this can either positively or negatively impact your child's mental health, their physical health and wellness, their happiness, their attitudes and ability to function in life, their self-esteem. So this is extremely important. And I want to mention something that I uh, found in psychology today on this subject because it's just amazing. So psychology today, the February 3rd, 2020 edition has an article titled sibling bullying and abuse, the hidden epidemic. And here's the quote from that article up to 80% of youth experience some form of sibling maltreatment, yet it's been called the forgotten abuse. Therapists also frequently overlook it. Usually the perpetrator is an older child, often the eldest, exploiting the emotional dependence and weakness of a younger sibling. So that's up to 80%, 80%, up to 80% of children are experiencing bad treatment growing up, often at the hands of their sibling. That means it's epidemic. So bullying, to give it a proper name, is common and it has an impact. Now, according to the research, this is very interesting to take a little little nosedive into PubMed Central. But the impact isn't just for the child who's being bullied or maltreated. There's a negative impact for bullies as well, which is a whole nother reason to interrupt this, this, this going on in, in all families or many families in the world. So if this occurred when you're growing up, you need to know it's just not, it's not okay. If you're a parent and you're raising children you know, we kind of call it sibling rivalry or competition, or it's just kind of fluffed off as normal. And given the numbers, it certainly is the norm, but there's no reason for this to be considered normal or acceptable. This kind of situation can also set up your child in the future to be more susceptible to an abusive, intimate partner relationship. So there's all kinds of reasons. When children are growing up, they are supposed to be learning about love and affection. Clearly, if they're being mistreated, bullied, tormented, teased relentlessly, that's not love and affection. You can call it that, but that that doesn't make it that. Why would you want your child to be bullied or mistreated or maltreated in your home? Well, I hope you wouldn't want that. I don't think you would want that. But it happens all the time. And there are things you can do about it, which I'm going to cover. So the other big thing about why this is so significant is because this can lead to or contribute to a child growing up and having thoughts about suicide or thinking about suicide or attempting suicide because they don't feel like they matter. So if your child is being mistreated, bullied, tormented, teased relentlessly in your own home, how do you think that's going to leave them feeling like they matter? Now, that's not the thing that's going to leave a child feeling like they're important, they're significant, they're loved and they matter. Well, we spend a lot of money on suicide, so or suicide prevention. So you wouldn't want that. So let's go on. And it also, by the way, leaves children more pr- prone to depression, anxiety, addictions, and other mental health issues. So I'm asking you to bring about a sense of urgency to this topic because we can interrupt it. I have a great sense of urgency about this topic because it's it's not necessary that we continue doing these things. 
I mean, we're going to continue doing the wrong things until we stop doing the wrong things and say, hey, it's time to do something new. So we're spending millions and millions of dollars on suicide prevention, and we're allowing this behavior to go on unchecked, not talking about it, not correcting it. Do you see how that's like a huge hypocrisy? Oh, yes, we want to we want to end suicide. We want to prevent suicides. But we're going to allow this kid to grow up feeling unloved, <clears throat> that they don't matter because they're being tormented by their siblings. That just doesn't work. So I'm asking you to bring a sense of urgency on this topic to help me be changing this because it's 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 too important to forget about. I mean, I don't know when someone calls the one of the national suicide prevention lines, is this a question they ask? Well, were you mistreated by your siblings? Are you being abused or bullied by your siblings or your parents? I, I don't know. But there's no integrity if they're not because we need to make some changes. So I'm asking you to bring a sense of urgency. And I really have a lot to say about this topic. So Doing nothing makes a difference. If you shared this podcast, that would make a difference. If you just talked to other people about this, it would make a difference. Like, do something. The other thing is, even though we're not talking about this, generally speaking, in society, it is no secret. So those siblings who are awful to one of their other siblings, they're usually, typically, frequently, so lacking in self-awareness that they reveal to others their own bad behavior because they're not self-aware. So we're not talking about it, but it's not a secret. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. So you want your children to grow up and be happy and healthy and well-loved. And it's your job to make sure that your children have the right environment. Now, I do know how hard it is to be a parent, and I do know that many of you who are parents listening to this podcast are experiencing extraordinary difficulties while you're raising your children. I am totally aware with that, of that. I was dealing with three concurrent traumas while I was raising my kids. I mean, I'm just amazed I made it through. But So this is not a secret. So since it's not a secret, let's just put it on the table and, and let's deal with it appro appropriately. So one of the ways to deal with this is to prevent it from happening. And I'm going to give you some ideas about what you can do about that. So this is my suggestion for prevention, preventing this. And if you're a parent, do with it what you will. If you know somebody who has a child who's expecting another baby or your grandparent, this is the material you want to put in front of people when they've got little kids or kids of any age or kids that are still under their roof. So here's what I did with my kids. And yes, I did this. And yes, I have evidence. <laughs> I have pictures and evidence to prove that I did this. So the first thing you want to do if you have a child and you're adding another family member, which could be a new baby, it could be an adoption, it could be you're doing a blended family or, or whatnot, you want to prepare your child for the change that's coming. Now, I did talk about this in my podcast called The Power of Anticipation and Visualization, but this is so important. And this topic is so significant, I'm going to repeat a little bit of what I said in that podcast because it's appropriate, although I don't like repeating things in my podcast. So yes, it's your job to prepare your child for change. And the way you do that is number one, you set up the expectations. So when I had my first child and I, and I was pregnant with my second child, I told my first child that we were having a baby and the baby was going to love him and he was going to love the baby and he was going to be so happy to have a baby and when the baby got bigger then he would have a best friend for life 
and I got them really excited about it because that's very exciting. And because my child at the time was young, he was two, I got him a baby doll. And you can judge me for getting a boy a baby doll. I don't care. Uh, it was perfect. And then I took the old hospital, hospital little bag they give you and made it into a little doll diaper bag for him and loaded it with little doll diapers and a baby bottle and a blanket, burping pad, all the things that I had for the baby. He had doll baby accessories. And then I put the, the newborn infant car seat in my car with a teddy bear in it. Well, I did have a baby doll in it, but people thought I had a, a baby in the car, so we had to take that out and put a teddy bear in. So don't put a baby doll in the car. People will think you have a baby. Put a teddy bear in. And I helped him to set up the proper expectations, including, you know, practicing being quiet. Like, we practiced, oh, sh we have to be quiet now. The baby's snapping. Really, like, set up your child. Now, this could be a five-year-old. It could be a ten-year-old. But you've got to set them up with the expectations because if they're an only child, or even if you have multiple children and you haven't done that, if you didn't do this, this it's not too late. Just do it. And, you know, go through everything. I mean, we went through feeding the baby, giving the baby a bath. Like, my firstborn was completely prepared and excited. So first part is you're going to set them up with proper expectations. You want to give them the expectations. And the next piece is you want to reassure your child that you're going to love them just as much. And you want to, you want to be teaching your child that love isn't scarce, that there's not scarcity when it comes to love. Love is abundant and you can love lots of people. So you want to teach your child that you're going to love them just as much. And just because you're adding to the family, that doesn't mean there's less love to go around. And the next piece in preparing your child is you know when you have a baby that you're going to get some baby gifts. So you get some little gifts for your existing child or children. And you wrap them up and you make them special. Now, they don't have to be expensive. Like, I'm very frugal, so... If there's something to be done, trust me, I'm going to try to do it on the low down financially or, or be, be frugal. But I had gifts for my firstborn when I had my second child and brought it to the hospital. So when my firstborn came to see his baby brother, oh my gosh, he got a present from his baby brother in the hospital. Well, don't you think for a two and a half year old, oh my gosh, my baby brother got me a gift. I mean, he's so young, he didn't realize... It wasn't really from his baby brother. So, and then I had some other gifts at home so that when there were baby gifts, he got to open a little something. And I mean, you can get very small things. It's the idea. It's the feeling. You're setting up a positive connection with the, you're helping your existing child feel important and significant. By the way, when I had my third child, I did this too with the, you know, with both of them. And it was, it was very fun. And then when you're opening baby gifts for the new baby, you have your children do it. You have your child do it or both of them do it. So the, these types of actions help children get ready for a new baby. And it eliminates this feeling of jealousy and insecurity and competition and rivalry because you're setting the expectations and letting them know this is this is how it goes. Now I will tell you. <laughs> uh, so when I was preparing my first son, I, I had never done this before. I'd never heard of anybody doing it, and I thought it might be a little crazy, but it made sense to me. So I was when I was setting up the expectations. I told my oldest who was the only at the time. Now, eventually, when the baby gets bigger, the baby is going to start crawling. And then one day, the baby's going to crawl over to this basket, your basket of Legos. And the baby is going to throw his chubby little hand into your Lego basket and grab some Legos. And I said, 
and what are you going to do? And he just looked at me. I mean, what does a two-year-old know? They, they were look, he was looking at me like, I don't know. What am I going to do? I said, you're going to throw up your arms and you're going to cheer wildly because at that moment, you're going to know that the baby's getting bigger and pretty soon you're going to have a best friend and a playmate like a lifetime playmate. So you're going to be really happy. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. Well, then, you know, I have the baby and then I, I forgot all about all this work I had done. Cause it was like, just totally forgotten. And then, um, my second ch baby, you know, the baby gets bigger, crawls over, throws his hand into the Lego basket. And my oldest throws his arms up and starts cheering. He's like jumping up and down and he's cheering. And I just looked at him. I said, what, what are you doing? Like I had totally forgotten. I had prepped him for this. So he said, well, I'm cheering. I'm cheering because this means he's getting bigger. And this means pretty soon I'm going to have a best friend to play with. And then it hit me. Oh, yes, I had that. I had that conversation with him. I had that exact conversation with him, but I forgot all about it. So does this work? Well, it does work. I did it with all my kids. And and you have to take it a little step further because after the baby is not a baby anymore and they're a toddler or their whatever age, you know, sometimes kids will get into the little snits and have little issues. And so you have to make this lifelong commitment that this is how it's going to go. So when your kids get older and they might forget, oh yes, they might forget what you've told them and they get into arguments or disagreements or they're not nice to each other and you take them and you have them go to a separate room or be somewhere together and you tell them they have to work it out. They have to talk about it till they work it out. And then they have to come tell you how they worked it out. This, by the way, was <laughs> a suggestion from my beloved mother, God rest her soul. She had read something in some psychology magazine about this and said, well, you should just try it. So I did. And, and it works very well. However, I will say that when you're dealing with young, young children, typically the older one has more language skills and is, is older. So sometimes the older child will have a little unfairness to the deal you've worked out. So they have to come tell you the deal. Then you kind of have to be a little bit of the arbitrator about whether it's a fair and, and righteous deal or not. So there were a couple of occasions where I had to say, hmm, you know what? That doesn't really seem fair. That doesn't really seem right. Let's, let's kind of talk about that. And we would, and then I might say, okay, go back and try it again. Go back and try to work it out again. But you have to bring fairness to this. It has to be fair. And what you just came up about how you worked it out is not fair. So this is just who does this? Well, I don't know anybody who does this. And I'm going to tell you, my, my kids weren't, by the way, once they got past a toddler, you know, four or five, it's not like they were thrilled. But anytime we were out in public, people would comment like, wow, your kids are so nice to each other. Oh my gosh, your kids are like really sweet to one another. They, I mean, I got a lot of comments. And then I would say the three kids were about 12, 14, and 16 when there was an incident, which I will not get into, that they were there for. They, were, they weren't involved in the incident, but they were witnesses to it. And it was a very painful situation of siblings not being nice to each other, like actually being cruel and bullying. And after the incident was over, they came to me and said, wow, like we just saw something. We just saw something that was so painful and so hard. And now we know, we know why you want us to be nice to each other. And, and it was a, it was a, just this memorable moment where they got to see what it looks like when siblings are cruel to each other, or usually it's one sibling being cruel to another. So Yes, this is something that everybody could do when their children are young. Now, if your children are older, that's, that is a whole different story. But you see the point here. 
that if you prepare, I mean, you could have a 10 year old, you could have a, you could have a 12 year old, you could have any age child. If you really prepare them and set the expectations, most kids want to have their parents approval. Now, if you have a rebel, they might be acting out because of your family dynamics, but most kids want their parents' love and affection. So if you set the expectations, more, more often than not, you're going to get that. So let me tell you why parents don't do this, or some of the, some of the things parents say. I, I'm not going to get into why they don't do it. I'm going to tell you what people have said to me over the years. Now, when I was doing this, did I tell people I was doing it? Well, yes, I did. And you know, people were like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Oh, my God, you are just over the edge. And people said things like, oh, I could never do that. Oh, that's that's kind of stupid. Oh, well, my parents didn't do that, and we're all fine. Oh, like, that's too much work. That is way too much work. Oh, my kids wouldn't go for that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, all, it was all negative. Now, we know that it worked well. Now, will my kids always be nice to each other? Well, I hope so, but it's too early to say. But they certainly have been raised in a way where they know that it's not acceptable or appreciated or going to be tolerated if they're going to be cruel, mean, or bully each other. It is your job as a parent to make sure that your child or your children is growing up in a safe environment where love and affection is present. And if you're allowing your children to gang up on each other, to be bullying, or, and sometimes you can just say, oh, well, they're just teasing. Well, teasing can be vicious. Teasing can be cruel. So it is your job as a parent to make sure that your child is in a safe and loving and good environment. And this is one area where parents throw up their hands like, well, I have no control over that. Well, if your kids are living under your roof, you have a little more control than you might want to admit. And I understand why some parents are so struggling with life, they can barely get through the day. I understand that. I totally am compassionate with all the things that make it hard to be a parent, unrelated to parenting, like, you know, poverty or, you know, an abusive spouse. I mean, there's just a ton of things that make it life hard. But th this is the one thing. Hey, if you need to go ask people to help you with your life so you can get this under control, aren't your child, isn't your child's life worth it? Well, I would certainly hope so. So if you have to say to somebody, you know, I'm too overwhelmed in life. I need some help. Get some help. Get some, ask for people. To help. Listen, people will show up to help you with whatever you need. I know I had people <coughs> come watch my kids so I could go to the medical library to do research for someone I, I was, you know, trying to help save their life. I mean, people have come and helped me with all kinds of things. So if you as a parent are too overwhelmed in life or you have too many problems or too many life challenges or whatever that you can't see your way through to have your children be nice to each other, my request is that you swallow your pride or whatever and ask people for the help that you need so you can get this done. Now, what's going on with a child, adult child or young child, where they're mean or cruel or tormenting a sibling. Well, there's a whole bunch of things that are likely to be going on that allow a child or, you know, make it possible for a child to be cruel, bully, be mean. And I'm just going to read through some of them. I have a long list, but I think I'm not going to read them all. So first of all, a dysfunctional family. Dysfunctional families account for 70 to 96% of American families, and they're painful. And sometimes children, when they don't have the emotional abilities to deal with whatever's happening in the family, they will act out. And one of the ways some kids act out is they take their anger and their upset, 
and dish it out on a sibling. So dysfunctional families come into play. Watching a parent be abused or, or maltreated by another parent. Being self-centered. Having little or no emotional abilities. Gen, uh, jealousy or envy. Well, I think you can see from the example I gave and how I prepared my kids that that would really handle a lot of that, or at least till they got older, and then you have to handle it again. False pride, addictions, low self-esteem, not having anger skills, and, and using passive-aggressive anger or aggressive anger, <clears throat> or displacing or misplacing anger, mental health conditions, having a warped view of yourself or, or a false reality, not feeling well-loved. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons why a child, even an adult child, will be cruel or mean or bully a sibling. And all of those things, by the way, are conditions or situations that can be addressed. So I want to make a mention of family dynamics because there's a lot of different family dynamics that could be in play, and they're worth just a nanosecond mention. Some children are the peacemakers. So they're not going to be the bully, but they're a peacemaker. They're the ones who are often bullied. Then we have the bully who might be just a regular bully, or they might just be, you know, overly entitled or overly self-centered. Sometimes you'll have a, a child in the family that is distant, removed, or they've checked out. They're just not going to engage. They're just kind of like done. They've written you off. And families with multiple siblings, sometimes there's a ringleader or a gang leader. And that's the person who stirs the pot and gets everybody to gang up or quote unquote get on their side. Sometimes you have what I would call like a pacifist. And they might not have checked out. They might not have removed themselves, but they're just not going to get involved, they're not going to take a side, and they're not even going to stand up when there's an obvious moral wrong or horrible treatment. They're not going to do the right thing. The other thing that comes into play with family dynamics is something called scapegoating, which I'm not going to get into here, but it it's a common situation where one child in a family is the family scapegoat. And sometimes the parents are involved in having a child be the scapegoat. And then there's another situation in psychology that's called a double bind. So these are dynamics that if you can figure out kind of your role, it, it can be helpful. Like if you're the family scapegoat, nothing you're ever going to do is ever going to be right. You're always going to be criticized and bullied and teased and tormented because you're the scapegoat and you're going to be blamed. So those are helpful things in understanding and dealing with siblings who aren't nice. Now, if you're the parent, hopefully you're going to get on get on the team here and put an end to this. And I'll, I'll say more about parents in a minute. So I just want to make a quick mention of some examples of behaviors that siblings do, particularly older siblings, because here's the problem. If this dynamic isn't healed and dealt with with young children, it perpetuates itself, it continues, it's like a lifelong pattern. Which begs the question, why wouldn't you want to deal with this when your kids are young? So they learn, this is what we expect, this is what society expects, and this is what we want from you. So from older siblings, excluding a sibling from communications, from events, from parties, from meals, from outings, Obviously, you could understand that's hurtful. Trash-talking a sibling. Taking items that you know are not yours and belong to a sibling. Attempts to publicly humiliate a sibling. Excluding a sibling from a parent's passing. Sabotaging a sibling in a variety of ways. Breaking or destroying gifts from a sibling that you don't like that they gave to your parents. Lying about a sibling in order to make yourself look better and any type of ganging up. These are common, common, as horrible as they are, and they're horrible, these are common. These happen all the time to people. So I want to address if you're the person 
who your siblings are not being nice to, or your sibling, it may be one, it may be plural. If your sibling is not nice to you, it might be helpful to look and see, are you the peacemaker? Are you the family scapegoat? Are you in a double blind situation? And regardless of it, if any of those things are true, it's deeply painful to have your siblings not be nice to you or a sibling not be nice to you. So the first order of business is you dealing with the pain. And I recommend you deal with it. Like you learn how to manage and process your emotions because that's going to be helpful. It's particularly helpful if you're not being treated well or nicely by a sibling, but it's helpful all over in life. And you want to get yourself sorted out. You want to make sure you do not have irrational thinking. You want to make sure that your thinking is rational, meaning you don't have a cognitive distortion, and that you're not looking through an inaccurate lens or filter for life. So, and then you want to go about making your life magical. Because there's nothing that'll set off somebody worse if they want to try to undermine you. And having an amazing life, well, they won't be able to stand that. So if they're not being nice to you, one of the best antidotes is to have an amazing life. Because then they'll just be seething that you're having this amazing life, even though they're trying to undermine you or be cruel to you or bully you. And the other thing is, in some toxic sibling relationships... And there are some that are just minorly bad. And then there are some that are over-the-top toxic. You may have to walk away from a sibling or more than one sibling, either temporarily or permanently, depending on the dynamic. I can't address that because that's not what this podcast is about. But you might have to do that. And the other thing you can do if you have a sibling or siblings that aren't nice to you or cruel or abusive or what have you, is you can set up like surrogate siblings and adoptive siblings and have other people fill that role in your life. Now, it's still going to be painful because it is just painful if that's the case, but you don't have to have it be your blood-borne sibling. But whatever you do, I'm requesting and suggesting that you take the high road. So if your sibling is cruel, mean, not nice to you, what have you, don't do tit for tat. They do something awful to you. Don't do something awful back because you're better than that. You are way better than that. And if you haven't been, it's time for you to get your life together so that you are better than that because you don't want to stoop to someone else's level. And if you have, just you're going to have to maybe make amends, clean it up, I don't know. But no, take the high road. And I have a whole podcast on taking the high road because apparently I needed to do that. But you want to take the high road. And that podcast will tell you why. Now, if you're the one who's not being nice to a sibling, guess what? People don't like you. They might pretend to like you. They might pretend to be friends. There might be this pretense. But nobody likes a bully. And when you're being cruel or bullying or not being nice, people are going to know that. Because number one, if you're doing that, you've got some issues. could be low self-esteem. It could be, you know, a cognitive distortion. And probably, I'm going to guess, a cognitive distortion or irrational thinking is involved. Because it's not, there's nothing rational about being cruel or mean to someone else. There's just, it's not rational behavior. So, if you're the one who's not being nice to a sibling, guess what? You have probably a lack self-awareness to the degree that you have revealed your own behaviors to other people without intending to. So you got to stop kidding yourself if you're the one who's not being nice. Like you just have to stop the pretense and stop pretending. And by the way, I do know most people who are cruel, mean, or vicious, or bully their siblings are not going to be listening to this podcast. Now, if you're the parent, oh, by the way, if you're the one who's not being nice to your sibling and you have children, like if you're grown up enough that you have your own children, guess what? Your children are probably not thinking that highly about you. Like nobody likes to see somebody else being bullied, being treated badly. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. I mean, unhealthy, sick people might enjoy it or might like it, but healthy, well people, no. They don't like it. 
And so if you're doing that behavior and you have children, they're going to see that. They're going to know about that. And that is not going to elevate you in their standing in any capacity. Now, if you're the parent, I think I've already made it clear. It is your job to make a safe, loving, and affectionate home environment for your child. That's your job. If you can't do that, and I understand why people would struggle with that. Okay, they're in an abusive relationship, or they're dealing with poverty, or they're a single parent. Like, there's a ton of reasons. I don't care what the reason is. You need to ask people to help you so you can deliver on this. So if it's too hard for you, you're going to have to say, all right, how could people help me? And maybe you don't know. So maybe you just start talking to people and say, you know what? I'm struggling. I need some more help. Who can help me? So somebody will say, oh, I'll help you. What do you need help with? Well, I don't know. Okay, then you two will figure it out. Now, what, what some parents have said to me is, it's really none of my business, and it's really not, you know, doesn't involve me. Well, I'm going to just call you right out and say that's a load of bull. If you didn't set this up from the very beginning... If you didn't handle this the way I suggested how I did it, you are responsible. So if you're 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, 60-something-year-old children are not getting along, you might want to take a look at that. And and just I think it's a total cop-out to say, oh, I can't get involved in that. You certainly could say to your child who's an adult and being unkind, bullying, nasty, mean, cruel to one of your other children, look, you need to knock that off. You look terrible. People think you're a jerk, blah, blah, blah. They might not hear you. I understand that we have narcissists and we have psychopaths and sociopaths and people with mental health problems, but it's a cop out to say, oh, I can't get involved or I can't deal with that. If you didn't nip this in the bud in the very beginning, this is really partially. Now, it may be all, but it's partially on you. I don't know how much it's on you because it depends on your circumstances. And, you know, you want your children to be happy and healthy. So not dealing with this problem is really just saying, oh, it's okay with me if my child gets depressed or has anxiety because one of my other children, children, bullied them or tormented them. Oh, it's okay if my child commits suicide because they were so bullied by my other children that they don't feel loved. No, of course we would never accept that from a parent. That's like, that's like the worst parent in the world. You want to be the best parent you can be. So this is an issue for you to deal with in my opinion. And I'm owning this as my opinion, but I'm basing it on psychology and what we know. So if it's too hard for you, ask for help. You may need help with household things. Like, I don't know what you might need help with, but I promise you, if you keep asking, people will show up to help you. It might not be the people you expect or you like, but people will show up for you. So this is too damaging to your children not to deal with. And because I have talked to parents whose children are quote-unquote on their own, grown-ups in their own right, and they'll say, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. Well, I call bull on that. I call total bull on that because you haven't even laid the groundwork to say, look, this has been going on for 10 years or 20 years or 30 or whatever, and I want it to stop, and this is why, and this is blah, 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 and whatever. Like, if you're not even trying, that's not even trying. So if you're the parent, put yourself in the driver's seat and at least do what you can to correct what's gone on. Now, I have a couple additional suggestions on this subject, and I'm not making light of it. Like, I know this is is hard for people, but when you look at the side from nurturing, loving, and protecting your child, there's no, there's, I mean, like, seriously, get in touch with me through my website and give me the reasons why this is not the most, one of the most important things you could ever do, because I'm I, I I know it is. All right. So number one, so my additional suggestions include number one, you have to get out of denial that this isn't a problem. 
You have to get out of denial that this is not one of the most damaging things that happens to children because it is one of the most damaging things that happens to children. And it happens all the time. We already heard from the psychology today, you know, 80, up to 80% of children. That's like not 10% or 20, it's up to 80% of children. So we have to stop the denial that this isn't a real issue that has substantial negative consequences. And number two, consider your role in this. Well, I already explained that I am deeply compassionate about the problems you might have been facing and dealing with when you were raising your children that would have made it a little harder or difficult for you to do what I'm suggesting. But it's now, now. So now deal with it. And what was your role? I mean, I've had to say to my kids, you know, look, I had three concurrent traumas. I made mistakes with you. I wasn't the best version of myself because having three concurrent traumas was just almost too much for me. Like there were days I didn't know if I would make it because it wasn't one trauma. It was three at the same time. So I've apologized to my children. And I think my children are very aware of what I did for them and what I wanted to do for them. But I don't have any shame in apologizing because I couldn't do any better. I did the best I could. So you want to look at your role and you want to look at what was going on and you want to look at what environment did your children grow up in. I don't care if they're 60. I don't care if they're 70. I don't care if they're 40 or 20 or whatever. What was your role in allowing certain behaviors to continue. Like, I don't know, but look at that. Then I'm hopeful that you're going to say, yeah, you know what? I, I don't like it that my kids don't get along, but I haven't done anything about it. So I'm going to adopt this strategy. I'm going to let my kids know this is what I expect. This is what I want. This is my request and my expectation. Now you... This, by the way, might be too risky for some of you and you might be too afraid because you actually have an adult child that's abusive to you. So you might need to get a therapist involved to help you sort this out. But if you have a child that's not nice to you or abusive to you, well, gee, it would be no wonder they'd be abusive to a sibling and it wouldn't hurt you to, you know, get some support because that's terrible. If your child is abusive to you, that's awful. That's a whole other podcast, by the way. That's not this one. So this might not be the easiest thing in the world if your children are over, you know, a certain age, but it's certainly possible. And, and what do you have to lose by saying to your children, you know what? I just listened to this podcast and this woman is, is over the top like crazy. And she did things with her kids when they were young that I wish I would have done with you, but I didn't know about it. So I didn't do it. So, you know, by the way, here's what I want you to do when you have kids. I mean, my kids are very clear about what I did when they were little to prepare them. We have the cutest pictures. We have some really cute videos. I mean, there's not something I would share publicly, but my kids could. And so my kids are aware of that. But most of you weren't aware of that, but now you are aware of that. So what are you going to do about it? I don't know what you're going to do about it, but I'm. what I'm hopeful about is that because you care about your children, regardless of their age, that you can start to recognize, you know what? I didn't protect my children from this one of my child. Because oftentimes there's like one sibling or one of your children that's worse. They're like the ringleader and the big bully. So, you know, this has been a very painful thing for your children. Very painful, deeply painful. And what are you going to do about it? Well, don't throw up your hands and say, well, I'm too old to do anything about it. But if you care about society, hopefully you're going to say, you know what? She's right. I need to do something. So the takeaway is, number one, this is an extremely common issue in society. Takeaway number two, this is extremely damaging or has the potential to be extremely damaging to your children. 
on number three. It just doesn't, it's like the worst thing in the world to see someone or hear about someone who's been nasty to their sibling. It makes people look like the biggest, biggest losers in the planet. My call to action is this is something you could do about. Like, what would happen if everybody who was having a baby or adopting a child or whatnot prepared their existing children in the way I outlined? What would happen? Well, things would change. What would happen if it became unacceptable in society for people to be cruel or mean or vicious or nasty to their siblings? Oh, things would change. What would happen if people said, you know, you just mentioned da 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 that you did to your brother? You know, that's really shitty. You know, you're 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 an ass. Oh my god, like the person who is a bully would be like, oh. so my request is you share this podcast, you share the content, you share the ideas, and let's start making the world a better place for children who and adults. Like, why not? Give me a good reason why not. All right, that's it. Take care for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 87, Making Your Children Be Nice to Each Other. I hope you've gotten some new ideas. I hope this has been thought-provoking for you. I hope you feel a great sense of urgency to share this message with other people so we can work together for a better life for everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. Of course, you won't want to miss one. And I hope you're going to visit my website and enter my current giveaway. You've got this. Hang in there for now. Love you. Bye.